Well, good morning again. It's so good to see you. Uh, My name is Drew Collins. I'm the worship arts pastor here at South Sub. Thanks for being with us today. And if you're listening to the podcast online, thanks for listening in. I want to begin by saying today that God loves you. He loves you right where you are, just as you are in this place today. You're known and loved by God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Today we conclude our preparatory series for Lent called Lent for Dummies. And by the way, we mean that in all of the ways. (laughs) So whichever way works best for you, just hang on to that one. Um, This three-week series has been designed to help us learn some practical ways that we can participate in the season of Lent. In week one, Pastor Ike gave us tips on how to pray and how to fast. Last week, Pastor Joe provided us with tangible steps that we can take to receive and extend forgiveness. Well, this morning, we'll talk about two opportunities to practice worship as we begin Lent. Now, I want to say that if you walk away from this series having taken one more step in your spiritual journey, that's a win. If during the six weeks of Lent, you do some work in the area of forgiveness, that's a big deal. I hope you know that Sunday to Sunday, the expectation is not that you, that, that you internalize every single thing you hear and then figure out how to put all those things into practice right away. We get that worship, that faith is a journey. So even if you look back six to eight weeks from now on the season of Lent and you say, you know what? I took one step. I took one step in my growth as a Christian or as someone who's just learning more about what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's a win. Because we get it. We get it that, that, that all of us are busy. We have all kinds of commitments, all kinds of obligations, right? Is that true for you? There's plenty to do, right? Um, so, so in this, just know that Christianity is a marathon. It's not a sprint, all right? So if you take just one thing away from this series and it helps you to be transformed, to be shaped a little bit more into the image of Christ, that is worth celebrating, all right, church? Okay, um, if you, if you happen, by the way, if you happen to skip a meal at some time during Lent, one, and, and you devote that time to prayer and fasting, that's a big deal. If you've never done it before, that's a big deal. As the poet Mary Oliver said in her poem, aptly titled Prayer, she said this, just pay attention. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks. Isn't that good? I like that because I've spent a lot of time living in Wyoming. <laughs> Folks talk straight there. And, um, and to not feel as though I have to come up with special language or do the right things in all the right order, that's really helpful for me. And I'm sure for several of you it, it is as well. Um, Now, because this series is 
participatory. And because it's practical, I'll invite you to stand for the reading of the Bible. Now, when we stand for the reading, we demonstrate respect for the scriptures. And we affirm that Christ himself is with us through his word. So, as you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Now, at the end of the reading, just as a refresher, uh, I will say as the leader, this is the word of the Lord. And your response with gusto, I mean, we're talking like fourth down goal line stand for the Broncos, will be, hey, if we do it like that every week, we're going to be okay, folks. Okay, this, this morning's reading is from one of the earliest followers of Jesus. He was named Paul. And he wrote a letter both to the church and then to his friends who were living in Rome. And Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. As you familiarize yourself with the Bible and with Christianity, you'll soon discover that, that worship is a big deal, right? The concept of worship, the practice of worship. You find that word all over the place in Scripture. And you find example after example throughout, throughout the Bible um, of, of practices of worship. You find commands and exhortations to worship. For example, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? You'll see postures of worship. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, right? You see those kinds of, of invitations to take postures. Uh, clap your hands. Shout for joy to the Lord. The Psalms who are, that are right in the middle of your Bible, if you just open right to the middle, it's a series of five books, 150 worship songs that are not unlike some of the songs that we sang already this morning. Some books in the Old Testament are almost entirely devoted to rules prescribing exactly how to prepare oneself and one's family for worship, what to do once you arrive at the place of worship, and how to continue in an attitude of worship upon returning home, we could summarize by saying, worship saturates the scriptures. It saturates the scriptures. However, worship is not a common word in our vernacular, is it? How often in, in your normal day-to-day -day do you use the word worship? aside from maybe when you're describing some good dark chocolate or a great red wine. <laughs> but you don't, you don't hear that word very often, do you? Unless you're in this kind of a setting. Like, it's not typical 
to have a water cooler Monday morning talk that goes like this. Hey, Drew, were you able to get up to the mountains this weekend? Yeah, man, it was great. Were you able to locate a house of worship? I'm curious, did you honor the Lord Jesus Christ through gathering and praying? And um, Did you happen to find yourself singing last weekend? Clapping maybe, perhaps, to the glory of God, Father, Son, Spirit, by chance, right? That's not normal Monday morning office talk, right? However, however, worship also saturates our culture. Do you know, I just, I just checked on Google, there are roughly 7.7 billion people in the world. Uh, about 6.7 of those would say that they worship some higher power in a religious sense, either, either one of the major monotheistic religions or one of the polytheistic religions. But no kidding, 83, 84% of the entire population of this planet, they describe themselves as people who worship. Isn't that interesting? So this isn't something that is just completely off the radar for what we do as people. It's just that, it's just that there are some particularities to it that, that, that are different in how Christians practice worship. Um, so if you agree that the water cooler example is atypical for a Monday morning, and if you're also suspicious that whatever worship is, it must be a big deal, then doesn't it beg the questions, well, what is it? And how do we do it? Well, I want to start with uh, some of our own understandings of worship. And I want to ask you this question. What are some ways you describe worship? Okay, so the, uh, no joke, that we're, this is classroom, just for a couple of minutes. Um, how, uh, what comes to mind when you think of worship? How do you describe it? Now, if you're willing to share out loud, go for it. If you're the type of person who is a more, um, I'm going to think before I speak, there's a notes page in your bulletin. Feel free to write down some of your initial impressions. But, but let's hear from you. What are some ways that you describe worship? Songs? The singing of songs? Absolutely. What else? Study of the Bible. Did I hear someone say prayer as well? Praise. What else? What, how, when, when you hear the word worship... What do, you, what do you think? Calm. Calm. Great. What else? Connecting with, my creator. Connecting with your creator. Gathering. Gathering? That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, now, can we also agree that, that um, besides God, that, that people will worship other things or other people? I know we don't, but you know, like all those terrible people. <laughs> what, what, we know this instinctively. What, what do people, and sometimes us, what do we, what do we worship besides God? <laughs> that was a close tie between money and Broncos. And I think that's spot on. <laughs> Yeah, what else? What are other things or people that, 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 um, are, that we worship besides God? 
Materialism, absolutely. Family, you bet. Certain relationships at times will, will become an object of our devotion and our worship. And wouldn't you agree that, that there is a sense in which we can say that, um, that we worship things um, that we really love? Would you agree with that? Things that we devote ourselves to, things that we give time to, right? Because that's one of our most precious commodities these days, isn't it? So you know it's something we value, each one of us as individuals or as a family. We know it's something we value if we give time to it, if we, if we give resources to that, you know, if we invest in it. I've got friends, I've got friends who go fly fishing, and I've got friends who are fly fishermen. There's a difference. There's a real difference. If you go to someone's house and you see these cylindrical, these cylindrical tubes and there's 10 or 20 of them, that's a fly fisherman. That's not someone who just goes fly fishing, right? There's a sense in which you could say that that person just, just adores Fly fishing, everything about the process, everything about the preparation and going and getting out into nature and, you know, catching monsters or catching minnows and telling people that you caught monsters, right? But, but it, wouldn't you say that, it, although it's maybe the, the focus is different, in a similar way that we see worship and the concept of worship saturating the scriptures, we also see in our culture that we're just kind of hardwired as people who worship. Yeah? Whether it's God, whether it's a relationship, whether it's money, whether it's sex, whether it's, I mean, take your pick. But there are certain things that each one of us just devote ourselves to, think about all the time. Um, what I'd like to do is, is this morning specifically focus on the worship of God, okay? As much as I'd love to sit here and just talk about steak and like good bourbon, um, let's focus on the worship of God and let's use this as a working definition. So if you're taking notes, feel free to fill in these blanks. Let's use this as a working definition. Worship is ascribing or giving or affirming ultimate worth to the one who's ultimately worthy. Okay, can we use that just as a working definition for our purposes this morning? Worship is ascribing ultimate worth to the one who's ultimately worthy. All right, so that's our working definition. Now, one thing I like about this definition is that it's broader than music and it's bigger than church, right? Do you see that? You notice there's, there's nothing about 9 a.m. on here, right? It's, it's a broader definition. I also like that it allows for the, our understanding of worship to expand beyond Sunday and to, and to be reflected in our lives. Now, if the idea is to express the ultimate value that you place in honoring God, wouldn't it make sense that you do that, not only in gathering together to sing and pray and study, just like we're doing today, 
But wouldn't it make sense that we can also worship in the way that we do laundry and prepare meals and run our businesses and speak with our children? Wouldn't you agree that it's possible to worship in the ways that we fight and apologize and ask forgiveness? What about in the ways that we encourage and help one another? Think about that. Is that a way that we could worship or express through the way that we receive and extend forgiveness that we count God as the highest good and that we, we trust in him to bring the best out of our relationships, out of our work, out of our family dynamic. Would, would you agree with that? That worship certainly goes beyond what we do here, although this is definitely part of it. Worship is all about loving God, isn't it? And living in a way that shows we honor him above all else. It's ascribing ultimate worth to the one who's ultimately worthy. Okay, so we've got a working definition for worship, and we've briefly touched on on just a few ways that worship is expressed. Sometimes it's a physical expression, right? Kneeling down, lifting our hands, clapping. Uh, sometimes Sometimes it's singing, right? Sometimes it's just enjoying a really good meal. In Jesus' name. Yeah? Because here's the thing. If there's no aspect of enjoyment in worship ever, why do it? I mean, really, don't you want to enjoy the things you give yourself most to? I'd prefer that for myself. So, so let's keep moving then. Um, as we prepare for Lent, what I want to do just this morning is I want to look at one way that Christians worship and then talk about two opportunities to practice worship during the season of Lent. After all, this series is preparatory and it's practical. Okay, here's what I want us to consider, that we worship together. We worship together. Christianity will always and forever be a team sport. There are, uh, with, with precious few exceptions, um, there aren't lone rangers in Christianity. Uh, we do this together. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't spend time getting refreshed as an individual. Everyone needs time to themselves, amen? And for some of you parents with young children at home, I mean, you'd be happy just to have a bathroom break all to yourself, Wouldn't that be fantastic? I simply mean to point out that that there are some parts of life, there are some seasons, some circumstances that require the help and support of others. Amen? Fortunately, Christians are called to both worship with their lives, with all of who they are, and they're called to worship together. Together. It's part of what Christians do. So, if you're part of a church, 
part of a worshiping community, there's a greater chance that you will have the support you need when you need it. Yeah? Now, you, you all here have already made an important choice about how you worship by being here. All of you today are affirming that as Christians, we worship together. Now, why would I bring up this one facet of worship, this idea that we worship together as we prepare for Lent? It's simple, because Lent is the worst. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. No, no. Some of you are like, no, he's not kidding. Lent really is bad. No, Lent honestly is an opportunity to um, to experience greater life, to experience greater life. We'll talk about Lent uh, in just a little bit, but uh, what I do want to say is that, that we recognize that Lent is a season of introspection, of looking within and dealing with what we find there. It's a season of prayer and fasting. It's a season of extending and receiving forgiveness. Lent is both beautiful and challenging because often the vast majority of the work that takes place within God's people during the season of Lent is internal. It's it's a lot of interior work. So I wanted to point out that we worship together because Lent isn't something that we do alone, right? Like I know when when I have... um, Either, either by just taking time to sit down and shut up or by someone very gracious in my life, like my wife Sarah, um, when she says, um, you should take time just to sit and pray because <laughs> you need it. <laughs> that can be helpful. I might not do that on my own or choose to do that on my own, but it does make a difference. Now, here's the thing that I want to say. Because Lent is about a lot of internal, kind of like below-the-surface growth, it also means that we need support for that. Let me give you a, a real practical example. This is a time of year for me when I tend to struggle with depression and anxiety. That could be said for me of any month in the year. That's just one of the things that I deal with. But because Lent's a season of introspection, often I'm more, more readily uh, faced with some, some, of those, some of those things. Now, what I've decided is that during this Lent, I'm going to pick up a practice that I've done in the past, and it's called going for professional counseling. Right? We, we, we agree that Christians do this kind of stuff. And we agree that probably all 7.7 billion of us need to get our heads checked every once in a while. Yeah? So that's actually a practice that I'm going to take on during this Lenten season, is to find a good professional therapist and go for some regular counseling. Why is that? Well, because I know that I have internal work to do, and I know that I can't do that alone, because I've tried. Can anybody relate? You're like, oh, I got this. And then you're like, oh, no, I don't got this. And you just realize, I need support. I need someone to walk with me. I need, I need to continue on the journey, 
but I know I can't do it on my own. Yes? So that for me is, is, just, is, is just a practical example of, of, of realizing I need someone to walk with me as I start walking, as I start encountering and facing some of the things that I, that I know can and should change internally. So that's a personal example, but I wonder how it might look for us as a church to practice worship together during Lent. Well, let me tell you about two opportunities to practice worship, one for today and one for Wednesday. Let me talk about the Wednesday opportunity first, okay? So Wednesday, again, uh, is Ash Wednesday. We're meeting here for a service of worship at 7 p.m. And as you saw in the video announcement with the... uh, ragged-looking guy with the beanie. Um, This week on Ash Wednesday, we're inviting you to bring a physical object that represents what God is inviting you to lay down for the season of Lent so that your hands are open and ready to receive greater life. Does that make sense, church? So, So again, practical example. On Wednesday, I'm going to bring a copy of this, the Denver Post. The reason I'm going to do that is because I've sensed God inviting me to lay down following the news during Lent. So, during the season of Lent, um, instead of catching up on headlines and following news apps and reading articles and heaven forbid, watching the news, um, and becoming a generally grumpier person. (laughs) I'm going to bypass that for Lent (laughs) and focus on things that that tend to be more life-giving. So this is the physical representation of that, that I'm going to lay this down for Lent so that my hands are open and I've got a little more time devoted to just saying, God, will you do, will you bring more life (laughs) to me? Will you change my thinking? Will you help me walk through this season in a way that I encounter the life that is in you? All right? So, when we meet on Wednesday, bring an object that represents what God's inviting you to lay down. Now, here's the deal. Um, just bring it, set it somewhere along the front of the platform. If you're wondering whether or not it might look messy, rest assured, it will look messy. Do you know why? Because we're going to bring things that represent, at times, obstacles or stumbling blocks. Not necessarily bad things. It's not bad to read the news, but... If I love that more than trying to know God's heart for what to do when I hang out with all of you, maybe if I lay that down, I don't know, I might be a better pastor. Don't hold me to that. Um, Because I know me. But what, what is there that God might be just nudging you and saying, hey, you know what? Instagram? And comparisons don't, don't need to be part of what you do during Lent. Because I want to affirm 
your identity and that you are safe, you're secure, you are known, and you are loved in Christ. Right? So if, if comparing your life to someone's curated Instagram and Facebook life bums you out, God might, might want to invite you this Lent just to turn off social media. I don't know what that will be for you, but I want you to think about that and then bring an object. By the way, as a quick public service announcement, if you're bringing like an heirloom or a something or you know, if someone walks in with your big screen TV, don't worry, we'll give it back. <laughs> make, make sure if it's something that you want to take home after the Lenten season. So basically after Easter, just identify it in some way so that we know that it's yours and how to get in touch with you. We'll get your big screen back to you. <laughs> However, if it's something that you're planning to just toss, that's fine too. The idea is there's going to be all kinds of clutter up here. And then it's going to be amazing to walk in on Easter morning and all the clutter has been cleared away. And it's almost like a fresh beginning. You might say it's like a resurrection. <laughs> right? So that is one worship practice that I'd like to invite you to participate in. Um, one more note on that. If you're not sure specifically, like what object would represent what God's inviting me just to release. That's okay. We'll have pens and paper when you come back on Wednesday and each Sunday during Lent, okay? So just know this is, this is open object season starting on Wednesday and going all the way up to Easter, okay? So at any point, feel free to bring, bring something, that object, and, and just lay it down here on the front of the platform, okay? Awesome. All right, there's another way that we can practice worship, and that's going to be what we do today. Um, again, because we worship together and because Christianity is a team sport, I'm going to invite you to introduce yourself to one new person after the service today. Now, one of the interesting things about living in Denver is how transient it is as a city. Now, how many of you were born here and still live here? Okay, we've got some. And then how many of you are transplants? Uh-huh. Guess what? That's true of all of Denver. There are, there are some folks who are natives. There are some folks who are longtime residents. But most of us in Denver are transplants. And a lot of folks will move to Denver for a season whether it's a particular job opportunity, but that has kind of a time frame to it, whether it's education. You know, it's like a lot of folks live in Denver between two and eight years and then move to another place. That means that, means that, that, that we have a chance to build relationship, but a lot of times folks are moving on, right? Have you experienced that in Denver? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, another interesting fact about Denver, it's the second, maybe the first at this point, largest growing city when it comes to young professionals and young families. Do you know what that means? There are loads of people who were starting into their major careers, starting to raise kids, who came to Denver and left behind 
their support system. So, while they show up and there are all kinds of opportunities, new possibilities, 300 plus days of sunshine a year, there's also often a recognition that these young professionals and young families are alone. They're like, oh, I know a colleague at work, but I kind of feel like I'm by myself. At South Sub, we don't want you to be alone. We don't want you to go into the new job alone. We don't want you to raise kids alone. Whatever life stage you're in, if, if the kids have, have flown the coop, <laughs> we don't want you to journey alone. Whatever life stage you find yourself in, we want to journey with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to face the struggles with you. Listen, we've got, we've got, um, we got oldies here. We got youngies here. And we got everybody in between. And we need each other. Interestingly, South Sub, um, this is part, kind of part of our DNA that, that we do this stuff together. Um, a couple examples. The Puerto Rico trip that we gave an update on a few weeks ago. We had high schoolers on that trip. We had an engaged couple on that trip. We had folks on that trip who have been married for, I think, five millennia. And we had folks everywhere in between, all kinds of different life stages, economic status, like just all a bunch of different flavors. And you know what? We worked shoulder to shoulder and just did a, a lot of great stuff together. Um, that is South Sub. In the last couple of weeks, there was a small group, an adult small group called Love Does, that prepared dinner for South Sub youth. Isn't that cool? A whole, bunch of, a whole bunch of oldies hanging out with a whole bunch of youngies. It was awesome. It was awesome. And, and, and um, Kathy Escorcia shared some of her own journey. She's, she's somebody who comes here. Some of her own journey in faith. And it was really awesome to see teenagers hanging out with folks who've got a little more experience, been down the road a little bit. Isn't that cool? That's, that's in the DNA of South Sub. We are an intergenerational community that's committed to worshiping together. Okay? So here's the thing. You don't have to do this alone. So after church, I'm inviting you to ask one new person where they're originally from and what brought them to Denver. Now, some of you are already super excited about this idea. That's because you're what doctors call extroverts. God bless you. You are a unique breed. I am so grateful for you. Usually. No, no, for some of you, this is going to be really easy. Here's the thing I'm an introvert, like legitimately. This is safer for me to do, feels safer than having like a small group conversation um, because you guys aren't going to talk back too much. Like, I'm an introvert. This is hard for me to do sometimes. So I want you to know, I understand if this is a scary ask. And I want you to know that I intentionally put this opportunity after the service ends today. So that if this is terrifying 
and you need to like run for your life when everyone has their eyes closed and they're praying, that you can do that, okay? I just want you to know that I, do, I respect your ability to, to choose to participate in this or not. Here's the thing. I don't want to try and force anything to happen. All I know is that in my life, there have been times I've just needed to know that someone else cares. That's it. And you know what? I know enough of your stories in here to know that that's true for you as well. And I will tell you, this is no joke. This isn't pastor speak. You guys should know that about me by now, right? I don't talk like a pastor real good, do I? <laughs> but we're honest. <laughs> here's, here's what I know. Um, there have been times where I've needed, I've needed someone to know all the stuff going on in my life. There have been times I've needed folks to just show up, hang out with me, but not say a word. There are times when I've needed people to challenge me without overwhelming me, yeah? To ask hard questions of me. And I've also had times where I've, needed, I've just needed encouragement and not, not self-talk, you know, not looking for my own bootstraps, but another person who can remind me who I am in Christ, who can remind me of, of the best parts of who I am. Have you found that you need that as well? So that's what this second practice is about. I just want to give the opportunity. Now, I know that if someone, if we switched roles, and I was in one of these seats right now, and you said, hey, I'm going to invite you to, to meet one new person, introduce yourself to one new person after church, I personally would be tempted to fork your yard after church today. In case you don't know what that is, it's plastic forks about every foot in someone's front lawn. That's how, that, that's how I would feel, potentially, about this exercise. But again, that's why I'm saying, after church, if that's something you're comfortable doing, because what we know and what we recognize is that we can't journey on our own. So... Wouldn't it be great if part of worshiping together here at South Sub meant that everyone that came here knew at least two to four other people so that when life got tricky or when life was worth celebrating, you had folks that would sit with you or you have folks that would cheer you on. Wouldn't that be amazing? I want us to be that kind of church. And in so many ways, we already are. But this is just going to be one opportunity. Okay? So two practices. One, bring something fun and that will really make people do a double take on Wednesday. No. <laughs> Consider bringing, as, as, a, as a shared practice of worship, an object that represents what God's inviting you to lay down on Ash Wednesday. And the other practice is as soon as we're done with church, take, take just a minute and, and say hi to somebody new, asking them, where are you from originally and what brought you to Denver? Does that sound okay? 
All right. Well, I'm going to invite the elders to come forward um, because there really isn't a better practice that represents that we do this together than the table, right? This table is what it looks like to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. This table is what it looks like to be family. This table is what it looks like to worship together. The word tells us that, that uh, on the night that Christ was betrayed, he took bread, he lifted it to the Father and gave thanks, then he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This bread now is my body which has been broken for you. Whenever you eat it, Remember me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. He lifted it to the Father and gave thanks. And then he gave it to his friends. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink from this cup, remember me. Remember me. Please pray with us now as we, as we ask the Holy Spirit to anoint these gifts. God of glory, who is forever worthy of our worship, you reveal yourself to us here at this table. Here we see your forgiving, caring, and loving nature as we come and break bread. This bread is fragile and breaks easily. We are fragile and break easily. Through Jesus Christ, you took on our fragility and weakness for our sake and gave us the hope of resurrection glory. Through your spirit, may we learn to appreciate this wonderful gift and to share it with others. God of mercy, here we share in a mystery the mystery of your love poured out for us in the death and resurrection of Christ. Through your spirit, bless this cup as we pour and drink from it, that our eyes might be open to the wonders of your love. Amen. Amen. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance of Christ and feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. 